welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Everybody say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not, but the grace of God, which was with me. I love that first phrase, by the grace of God, I am what I am. The message uh, renders it this way, but because God was so gracious, so very generous, here I am, and I am not about to let his grace go to waste. Amen. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I want to preach to you this afternoon for a little while on this thought, I am what I am. I Look at somebody tell them, I am what I am. Amen. I am what I am by the grace of God. If there be any good thing in me, it is by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing that we feel, the freedom to worship you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this afternoon. God, I pray that you would open our understanding. Ultimately, God, we want to be formed into your image and into your likeness. We want to walk in biblical understanding of what you've called us to be and to whom you have called us to be by your grace. Lord, I pray we leave here empowered and changed by your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said amen. Would you thank the Lord for that again? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them one more time, I am what I am. You can be seated. Now that you've said that, look at them and tell them, I want to know what I am. Amen. A lot of people say what they are, but they live what they ain't. We got to know who we are in Christ Jesus. I, I know who I am in the flesh, and that's not a good thing. I have always known that I come from a German-Irish descent, and then I, I, uh, earlier this year, I took one of those uh, Ancestry.com things. They were on sale on Amazon, so I got me one. And you know, people, some people got feelings about it either way. That's fine. I, I swabbed it and said, well, they're going to have your DNA. You think they already don't have yours? <laughs> they already got it. And besides, I don't plan on killing anybody and trying to get away with it. I mean. And so <laughs> I think it is pretty neat how they're catching these serial killers because their cousins swab it. And it's like they're catching people. That's pretty cool. And so I, 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 I did the swab thing and I or spit, whatever it was I had to do, swab and spit, spit and swab, or whatever it was, and I sent it in, 
And uh, the first few weeks, I was quite anxious. I was like, man, I can't wait to see this. And then it's like, man, how long is this thing going to take? And then, you know, life gets rolling. By third week, I forgot all about it. And all of a sudden, six weeks later, I get, a, I get an inbox. Ding. And, and it's not the old you got mail. It's just that harassment of if I don't turn it off, it's just going to keep going for whatever reason my setting does that. And so I open it up, and, I, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to find out something I don't know about my, my heritage. <laughs> There's got to be Indian in me somewhere. You know, I mean, come on. We, we've been here a long time, you know. Uh, I know my family came over, uh, a lot of them, uh, some before and some after the revolution. And so I'm thinking, man, I, I know my bloodline has been in the state of Texas since the uh, late 1700s, early 1800s. And I'm, I'm thinking there's got to be some Texican in me somewhere. You know, I mean, surely, surely, may, maybe there's a little sub-Saharan African in there somewhere. It's a surely. And I'm just thinking, some, you know, something in my DNA has got to explain some of the things. And I found out I'm so white, I make snow look tan. <laughs> the only thing that flipped was the percentage of German I thought I had in me. And then, no, we're Scots, Irish, German, and some English, and I won't claim that too much. Amen. <laughs> and got some Scandinavian and Dutch down in the low 1%, but mainly Scots, Irish, and German. And... Uh, <clears throat> Now they've updated this, and every, every few months I, I get another email, and it says, we have found, we have discovered, uh, and sometimes the percentages will change of how much Scots-Irish or how much Dutch. or it, Early, I only had 1% Dutch, now it's up to 4%. The more people that they get in the database, the larger the database gets. And it's a pretty neat thing. They, they said, here's some things you are predisposed to by, by your DNA. And, uh, you know, it, it was pretty amazing, you know, like, wow, and some of it's pretty accurate. You know, it's not like the, the little thing you used to read in the newspaper where it was like, if your birthday was on this day, then, you know, your car's going to have four wheels or something extremely <laughs> generic. I mean, it's like some of the stuff is specific. You're going to, you know, you have a high, high risk of uh, acid reflux or, you know, some, it's like, wow. Um, one thing it said is your, your uh, genetics... DNA profile, they're very athletic, and you know, and I'm reading this going, I mean, it's actually kind of creepy, because they got millions of people in this database, and they're finding, and I got cousins, and over here, and half cousins, and, and they're like, do you want to connect with your 3% fourth cousin, and it's like, 3%, thou aren't worthy to be my blood, you know, <laughs> I'm going to connect, but it's, it's really, Really need they pull all this in, and, and it said the high, like I was like like 78% chance of having blue eyes. You don't even put all this in there. It's like, wow, and, it's, and you, know, you got blonde hair, and you're looking at all this, and the more information they put in, you begin to discover this. Is, wow, this is, this is who I am. This, this, is, this is down in my DNA. This is in my genetics, and, and I'm looking into this, and, and it's absolutely amazing the things that pull up in there. And, and, and so about every two or three months, I go on to Ancestry.com. If you've done that, we might be cousins. I don't know. And uh, it, it pulls up in there, and, you, and, and it updates, and it says, you need to check out. you got new family connections, or your percentage has changed, or, or whatever it is. And, and I love that that British figure's going down, and the other ones are going <laughs> I pick on the British people. Don't worry. They, they get over it. Don't worry. And uh, um, that, don't get mad at it because I am 
part British. Very small part, but it's there. Not the part that lost the war. The other part. <laughs> and so I'll go in there and read this. I mean, this is cool stuff. This is really amazing stuff. And you go in there and read it, and you begin to discover who you are, and you get this email, and you go in there, and you, you got this, you know, I, I got this cousin in, in, uh, in France, and they've got this cousin over, and, and I don't know, I think, sometimes I think they're lying. I look at them and go, there's no way we're kin. And they probably look at mine and go, there's no way we're kin. But you get all of this breakdown of this information of, of who you are and through your DNA, what you are genetically predisposed to, foods I'm supposed to stay away from, allergies that, that trigger and sinus, all of this stuff is in there. It's this amazing, phenomenal breakdown. And I begin to think about it. If, if science can tell me who I am through a genetic breakdown, I, I need to go to the word of God. I want to see how the word of God would define me spiritually me as a human, me as a soul. How is the word of God going to define me? And so I have to take a spiritual swab of DNA and have to put that in the tube and let the word of God analyze that and say, you know, you've got some of this in you. You're predisposed to this. You need to watch out for that kind of food. You need to be careful around those kind of people. You ought not give yourself to too much of this because you are you are genetically predisposed to like that too much. You need to put back from here. You need to do more of this, less of that. You need to go here. Don't go there. I need to know what does the word of God say about us as believers. And so what they do with the, the, the DNA testing is they go as far back as they possibly can. So I thought, Brother Chase, we ought to go back as far as we possibly can and see what does the word of God tell us about who we are. Well, Genesis chapter 3 and verses 8 through 10 gives us a very strong clue as to who we are because we are a part of the original incident of sin and the fall of mankind. Don't worry, it'll get better. I just got to go to where we started. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And, they, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In willful rebellion against God, Adam lost the close communication he had with his maker, his creator, and his God. Because sin came into the picture and he surrendered himself to it. He broke that connection. This is as far as we go back with our spiritual DNA. We go back to the fall of man. Amen. Ever since then, mankind has been emotionally afraid, emotionally naked, and emotionally in hiding. And our problems all stem from the fact that we are separated from the presence of God in our lives. And we no longer know who we are. Amen. When Adam said, I am naked and I had to hide myself. In other words, he said, I'm ashamed. I, I'm emotionally afraid. I, I'm emotionally naked. I'm emotionally in hiding. To which God responds and says, who told you 
that you were naked. In other words, I had covered you with innocence. I had covered you as long as you were in communion with me. But when you become a Christian, this curse is reversed and many wonderful things begin to happen in your life. When you are born again, all of a sudden God begins to change that spiritual DNA profile in your life. Amen. And all of your sins become forgiven. All your sins become forgiven. Colossians chapter 2 and verses 13 through 14 says, And you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So here's what you get. You get your sins forgiven. And number two, you get to receive eternal life. Oh, I am what I am. John 5 and 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. When you were born again, you left the realm of eternal death and damnation and you came into the eternal realm of life and life everlasting. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout, I am what I am. You don't believe it yet, but we're going to get there. Amen. So you you are delivered from death. You have eternal life. Amen. Number three, you're delivered from Satan's domain and transferred into God's kingdom. You leave the kingdom, the king's domain of death and hell, and you come into the king's domain of heaven and life. Colossians 1.3 says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. Another thing is Christ comes to dwell within your body by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1.27 says, and to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me tell you something else that you are. Number five, you are made free. John 8 and 36 that the son therefore shall make you free ye shall be free indeed number six you have become a new creation 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature all things are passed away behold all things are become new I'm glad to know I am what I am And it doesn't stop there, Brother Armando, because now the Bible says you are declared righteous by God. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm so glad God counts me as righteous. My Lord, I'm not even getting warmed up yet. You know something else you are? You are accepted by God. 
Ephesians 1 and 6 through 7 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I'm so glad that God has accepted me. The world may not accept me. My family may not accept me. My friends may not accept me. My job may not accept me. Oh, but God accepts me when I surrender my life to him. Look at somebody and tell them I am what I am. Let me tell you something else. You become a child of God. Now I know this is all elementary and you pretty much get this, but I, I think we need to be reminded of this from time to time. You are a child of God. First John, or excuse me, John chapter one and verse number 12, but as many as received him, but as many as received him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You are a child of the most high God. Quit acting like you are a reject. Quit thinking that you are a castaway. No, you are the apple of God's eye. You are the affection of his being. He loves you. He's accepted you. And you are a child of God. Look at somebody and tell them, I am what I am. The Bible calls Satan the father of liars because he lies, he twists, and distorts the truth so that his deceptions appear to be more reasonable and attractive than truth. Let me say that again. That's tweetable. The Bible calls Satan the father of liars because he lies and twists and distorts the truth so that his deceptions appear to be more reasonable and attractive than the actual truth. Now this is how Satan ensnared Eve. And his tactics have not changed one bit in the 6,000 years of recorded history of mankind. He just twists and deceives to where a lie sounds more logical than the truth. You see, the devil does not want you to know who you are. That's why he's going to twist it. That's why he's going to manipulate it and massage it in a way that's more appealing to flesh. He don't want you to know who you are. Jesus Christ was our pattern for living in all things. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He didn't have to pray, but he did. He didn't have to be baptized, but he did. He did it to set an example for each one of us. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 15, and Jesus answered, saying unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus also went through testing and trials just like we do. Just like we do. And just like our hard times, these trials accomplished something in his life. 
Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 7 through 9 says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, capital S, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Jesus was our example by being obedient to all things even being obedient unto death. Hallelujah. Now that, now that what I just said that does not fly in 2022 in our country. It don't fly. Because surely God would, surely God would never expect us to lay down our life for Him. Surely all that God wants for us is health, wealth, and prosperity. I believe, I believe some of that's His design. But, but what if there were a day? I'll go on because I don't want to bum you out. We got brothers and sisters dying right now around the world. Persecution. Muslim persecution of Christians in Africa and in the Middle East is absolutely abhorrent. But you're not going to hear that on MSNBC and Fox. They're auctioning off African Christians right now by the thousands in Libya. We don't hear anything about that. Don't get mad. Do the research and find out for yourself. You're being lied to. Well, what about what we did? Well, I didn't do anything. Just get mad. You want to get mad at everybody over? It's still happening now, and we're turning a blind eye to it. Our brothers and sisters right now are being martyred in the earth. I recently saw a video that just came out of India where a pastor and his family were being beaten. With poles because they dared to have Sunday worship service in India. Well, surely God wouldn't want that. Maybe they should just not, you know, maybe they should just have church in their home. I pray, Lord, that day never comes. But if it does, may you find willing servants in the earth. I, I, I stray far from that as I can. Look. I thank God for you know, being raised in truth. I thank God for all of that. But we heard a lot of that growing up. And I always thought I was going to have to get my head cut off to prove I love Jesus. And, and you know, they went kind of extreme with it sometimes. But I'm on, there could be a day. You say, Pastor, I think that's hyperbole. Well, they're already setting the stage for it. Amen. Say, Pastor, no, don't go there. You don't talk about politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the world system is in place right now. Did you know every, every major bank is trying to move to a digital currency right now? Did you, find, did you see that? Chase Bank? Not this one. <laughs> Which, by the way, I need a loan. Uh, <laughs> Wells Fargo, all the major banks of the world have come. I showed you the video this past year. Remember that? Yeah. Where they said we need a new world order and a new world banking system. Yeah. 
So they can have all digital currency? I'm talking about I am who I am. Believe me, I'm still in this. They want an all digital currency? Why? Because they can control you. Did you see what happened in Canada this past year with the truckers? They said, oh, they were fascists. Did you see the own Canadian government report come out and say they were actually just blue-collar, hard-working people? And they cut off all of their bank accounts? There's a strategy to this. We better wake up and realize we're living in the end time. Now they say... We're going to do digital currency. Why? Because if they don't like what you do, how you think, or how you speak, they'll cut it off. They're already starting to do that. Big banks are saying we will no longer allow our cards to be used to purchase any kind of firearms. You say, well, I go there. It's a slippery slope we're moving into. It's a slippery slope. Now they say we all got to have electric cars. And then they say, well, don't plug in your electric cars. We don't have enough electricity. So what they're telling you is why don't we do banking where we can cut you off and transportation where we can cut you off. If you don't think they don't want to cut you off from currency and transportation, you better believe they've already proven to us over the last two years they want to cut you off from the church. That's not a conspiracy. That's absolute fact. They want to cut you off from the church. They weren't afraid of people gathering because of the virus. They were. That's why they left strip joints open. That's why they let casinos be open. They weren't. They were. They were. They knew that if they could keep you away from the people of God, the house of God, the Word of God, they knew they could divide and conquer. I'm. You better know who you are in the Holy Ghost. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. And if he chooses me to suffer, God give me the faith of the apostles in Acts chapter 4 when they left dancing because they said the Lord had counted them worthy to suffer for the gospel's sake. They beat the disciples with a whip. They beat them with whips. And they come dancing out of the house of the Pharisees, speaking in tongues, worshiping and saying, Jesus counted me worthy to be beaten for the gospel's sake. Jesus found himself obedient. Everybody say obedient. obedient. Even unto death. Amen. But in Hebrews chapter 2 and uh, verses 9 through 10. Amen. Uh, Paul says it like this. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man for it became him for whom, all, uh, whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. I want you to know that who you are is to be obedient to the will of God and obedient to the will. I know sometimes I've even prayed it myself. God, I don't know that you know what you're asking of me. This is getting a little hard. This is getting a little tough. And then I have to look at Calvary and say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. If you can be obedient unto death, I can be obedient unto life. Did you know that Jesus never identified, now let me finish this statement before you 
get shocked. Did you know that Jesus never identified himself as the I am before his baptism and temptation experience in the wilderness? I am that I am was the original form of God's name that was revealed to Moses at the burning bush on Mount Oreb when he called him to be Israel's deliverer from Egypt. That name carried with it the concepts of the eternal and self-existing one. A being who is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. In other words, his name means I am everything you need. I am fill in the blank. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I am Jehovah Rapha, your healer. I am Jehovah Shalom, your peace. Hallelujah. So when Jesus used the phrase, I am in the New Testament, it was not just a pronoun in a verb. It was the Greek phrase, ego emia, which means I am, which is identified him as the Jehovah God of the Old Testament. And then Jesus declared himself the I am. In John chapter 4 and verses 24 through 26, amen, look at Sister Gabby, she, uh, Olivia, she's on top of it back there. Amen. She's just right on it. I told Brother Garza, I said, I got a lot of scriptures today. And he said, don't worry. We got an ace back there. Amen. And so she's, she's right on top of it. Sister Olivia, we're going to double your pay. Amen. John chapter 4 in verses 24 through 26 to the Samaritan woman at the well. Here's what Jesus said. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah or Messiah cometh, which is also called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he, I I am, I am, I am. John 6 and 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh unto me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John 8, 12, and Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have light of life. John chapter 10 and verse number nine, Jesus said, Come on, say it with me. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. John 10 and 11, Jesus said, shout it with me. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth life for the sheep. John 11 and 25, Jesus says to Martha at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were yet dead, yet shall he live. John 14 and 6, Jesus said to Thomas, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 13 and 13, Jesus said, ye call me Master and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. 
Oh, don't, don't worry. We're just getting this engine revved up. It keeps going. John 8 and 24, Jesus said to those self, self-righteous, uh, sanctimonious Pharisees, he said, I say therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. John 8 and 28, then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that you shall know that you shall know that you shall know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself but as my father hath taught me I speak these things John 8 and 58 through 59 Jesus said unto them verily verily I say unto you before Abraham was before Abraham was then they took up stones to cast at him but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 27 to the disciples walking to them on the water he said but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying be of good courage it is I be not afraid in other words he said take courage because I am I am I am John chapter 18 and verses I hope you need I hope you're ready for some word I'm going to give you some word today John 18 and 5 through 6 to the soldiers that were arresting Jesus they answered him Jesus of Nazareth Jesus saith unto them I am he and Judas also which betrayed him stood with them and as soon as, as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backwards and fell on the ground. I'm going to tell you, when Jesus starts telling you who it is, it'll knock you on your back. Mark chapter 14 and verse number 42, uh, 62, to the high priest at his trial, and Jesus said, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Because Jesus was God in the flesh. He had an absolute right to use this name to identify himself. So why didn't he do so before his baptism? Why didn't he identify himself in this manner before the temptation in the wilderness? Well, you've got to understand and you've got to believe that everything Jesus did was with the purpose. He was trying to by example teach us something. He wanted us to understand something. At his baptism the spirit of God said this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But after his temptation Jesus, that is the flesh of God, said he was the son of God. You can't claim some things until you walk through some stuff. You gotta quit saying you're victorious when you haven't even stepped on the battlefield yet. You gotta quit claiming things you ain't fought for, you haven't worked for, you haven't prayed for, and you haven't believed for. Now this was not to put an artificial distinction in the Godhead where none exists. But this was to teach us the difference between spirit and flesh. Jesus was not putting an artificial distinction of three persons in the Godhead. Because there are no three persons in the Godhead. 
three persons is not even in the Bible. Triune is not in the Bible. It's one God. Amen. It is one thing to say, to have God say, you are my child. But it is quite another thing for him to say and for you to know that you are God's child. It's one thing for God to say that's my child. It's another thing for you to know it, believe it, and you declare it. I am God's child. In other words, you need to start declaring, I am what I am. I don't say that boasting. I don't say that with pride. I don't say that with arrogance. I say that upon the authority of God's holy word. Amen. That is from everlasting to everlasting. That heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall never pass. I'm going to stand flat-footed upon the rock of ages, which is the word of God, and declare I am what God says I am. I am what he told me I can be. I will be what he allows me to become. Look at somebody and tell them, I am what I am. I, 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 I really wish we'd believe that. Now, I, I believe we're inspired by it, but I wish we believed that. I am what I am. I am what God says I am. Look at the statements of Paul while he was going through the many trials and persecutions that he endured in his ministry. His ministry wasn't from Neiman Marcus to Nordstrom's from Ruth's Chris to Mancus, his ministry endured many trials, many sufferings, and many beatings. But, but let's see if Paul got a revelation of I am what I am. Can we do that? You ready to go, Sister Livy? All right, rev up the engine. Here we go. We're going we're gonna to see. Do you think, you think any of those scriptures is going to say Paul saying anything in reference to what I'm just talking about? Because the only way you're going to get through your storm is you better know I am what I am. If you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you better know I am what I am. We can't say I am that I am. That's only him. But I can say I am what I am. And I am what he says I am. And if I am what he says I am, then I ain't what the devil says I am. Pretty simple. If God says I am, I am. If the devil says I ain't, I am. Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's, let's see if there's any other I am what I am. Amen. Sister Libby, take me to Romans chapter 8 and verses 38 through 39. Are you ready? Let's see. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am what I am. I am not ashamed. I am persuaded. Surely, surely Paul ran out of some I am's there. 
Oh, let's see. Sister Libby, let's go to Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, about chapter 7. Amen. And verse number 4, great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorifying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. In other words, he said, even though I'm going through hell, I've got comfort. Even though I'm in the middle of a trial, I've got joy. I am exceeding joyful. I am filled with comfort. You ought to throw your hands up right now and say, I am what I am. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Some of y'all need to get an I am revelation. Because you've been saying, I am, I am not able to face this. It is too tough. I can't make it. You need to suck it up, buttercup, and find out there are some I am's for you in the word of God. I'll tell you what you ain't. You ain't no victim. You ain't no poverty-stricken stepchild of God. You are the very child of the living God. Hold on, because I, I, I think Paul may have went on a little further than that. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 10. Therefore, I take pleasure <laughs> in infirmities. I t don't go reading ahead of me right now. Just stay with me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Not us. We, we even get our little crying lip going. What did Paul say? Paul wasn't a sadist. He wasn't running around, you know, stabbing himself in the arm, going, well, this is wonderful. He wasn't doing that. He said, but when, when infirmities come, I take pleasure in infirmities. In other words, if you really want to freak the devil out instead of making him an ally, just shout over things that make other people weep. I said, learn to dance over things that make everybody else cry. He said, I take pleasure in infirmities because these are compound centers like sentences. I can use the original preposition for each compound. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Therefore, I take pleasure in reproaches. Yeah, yeah, well, hold on. I've got to stop here and preach for just a second. Give me, give me 25 seconds on this one. He said, I take pleasure in reproaches. Some of y'all, some of y'all start asking for antidepressant medication when somebody don't like your post. You get unfriended on social media and you go lock yourself in a dark room. Start singing, woe is me. 
He said, oh, I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. My God, I feel like shouting this afternoon. When everybody else is crying about it, I'm going to rejoice in it. inflation. Hallelujah. Bless God. Thank you, Jesus. You shouting over inflation? Yeah, because God's going to keep me through it. I'm persuaded. I am persuaded. I am convinced that I am loved and that I am kept. Uh, hold on, we ain't done with I am. Look at somebody say, I am what I am. Well, Paul just keeps going with this. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Yes. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. Acts 21 and 13. Y'all getting enough Bible today? Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready. Yeah, we won't shout on this one. For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. If you are crucified, then you are ready. And if you're ready, for me to live is Christ, me to die is gain. Acts 27, 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. I'm praying you walk out of here and next time you look in the mirror, you start seeing I am what I am instead of what you think the devil thinks about you or what you think the world thinks about you or what you think Vogue magazine says about you or what you think a politician see. You see, a lawyer sees you as a client. A doctor sees you as a patient. A politician sees you as a constituent. But God looks at you and says, you're my beloved. You're my child. Hallelujah. Can I keep going with some I am's? We've heard about the I am's of Christ. I'm talking about the I am's of you. I need you to believe that I am what I am. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 20. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
He ain't done yet. Philippians 4 and 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, I am therewith to be content. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 17. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Yes, Philippians 1, 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Then he's going to save some I am's for a son of the gospel. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12, for the cause, or for the which cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Say it, I am what I am. Second Timothy 4 and 6. For I am, I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Here is a man that turned the world upside down because he knew who he was. Here is a man that evangelized the entire known world, the greatest missionary to ever live, the author of three quarters of the New Testament Bible. And you want to know why? Because he knew what he was. If you want to wonder, if you ever want to understand why you get why you've done so little, if you struggle with why you can't do more for God, could it be that God, it's not that God's not anointing you, it's not that God is not calling you, it's that we are wondering in ignorance of the power with which he has called us to walk in. Somebody needs to get a revelation this afternoon. I am what I am because God said that's who I am. Now, I, I feel it like electricity in my bones. See, my earthly DNA said you're predisposed to addictions. Come on. My earthly DNA said you are predisposed to alcoholism. And it's run through my blood and my family for generations. Your DNA says you're prone to multiple marriages. You're prone to poverty. You're prone to spousal abuse. You're prone to rejection and abandonment. But I am telling you, when you were washed in the waters of baptism and you took on the name of Christ, you got a new DNA that says, I am the head and not the tail. I am blessed of God. I am persuaded. I am loved. And I take you back to our text in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. And I want you to write this down and put it on your dashboard. Don't cover up the speedometer or the gas gauge. 
I want you to write this scripture down. And I want you to memorize this. And I want you to say this every day. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Again, the message translation says, because God was so gracious and so very generous, here I am. And I am not about to let his grace go to waste. I am what I am. Because the I am tells me who I am. You feel confident today? You feel, I, you feel confident today? You, you ought to feel so confident that, like, like David. You ought to feel like you could run through a troop and leap over a wall. You ought to feel so confident right now in the Holy Ghost. Say, oh, no, no, no. I am what I am. I am what God says I am. And I ain't what the devil says I am. Your DNA may say loser. But the Holy Ghost says you're a winner. Your DNA may come back from Ancestry.com and say prone to bondage. But your spiritual DNA comes back and says released into absolute liberty. You see, the so-called great religions of the world have attempted to answer the deep need in the heart of man for deliverance from sin and to have communication with God, but sadly, they have all come up short. Hinduism teaches that we must, through our own good deeds, work toward achieving oneness with the universal soul. If we fail to do this, we are punished by the law of karma. We do, let me say, we do not believe in karma as Christians. He said, by the law of karma, which returns us in another form of existence through reincarnation. So if you weren't good, you're going to be a bug in the next life. My question is, how does a bug earn its way to be a lizard? And how does a lizard earn its way to be a dog and a dog? Earn, well, I, I don't know about that one. My dog's worthless. I don't know what he's going to be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Amen. I call him smartest dumb dog in the world. Amen. I, I, the Hindus, they, they truly, they believe this. They believe in the reincarnation. They, they believe that, the, that, that by, by how you live this life is what you will be created to in the next life. I, I remember a missionary uh, being in one of these Hindu countries and, and, and uh, they were out in the fields and they so devoutly believe in, in this reincarnation of Hinduism, especially there in India, that, that they believe everything has life. You know, you don't go spraying a, a wasp nest with, because that's, that could have been your great-grandpa. They look, it's kind of silly, but that's how they believe. But, you know, you don't put out a mouse trap in your house because that could have been your aunt that was killed in a car wreck 50 years ago. They literally believe that. They don't kill anything. So, um, I remember a missionary telling me the story years ago. He said, I went out, he goes, and I was stunned to find out that they use pesticide on their crops. He said, and so I looked at him and I said, 
I, I thought you believed that was a, a, that's a lower life form of something that's been reincarnated. They said, yeah, we believe that. We believe every fly, every gnat, every uh, one of them things that get in the corn, the blights and, and all that stuff. They believe all of that was at one point a human. It's been reincarnated into a lower form that it might live better. So you don't kill any living thing. And so he, he said, yeah, we believe that. He goes, but you're going to spray and pesticide and kill billions and trillions. How do you justify that? He goes, well, and he was dead serious. The farmer said, well, we all get out the morning of that we're going to spray and we walk through the fields with cloth and we go, shoo, 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 shoo. So then my question is, why would you need pesticide if you shoot them all out? Are these, are these kamikaze bugs? Buddhism teaches that we must diligently follow the eightfold path to rid ourselves of evil. We can never know how well we are doing, says Buddha, because the truth cannot be objectively communicated. We must constantly strive for a state of blissful enlightenment. Islam tries to solve this. And it teaches that we must achieve salvation through a rigidly defined method of worship. We must, through that rigid form of worship, enforce good deeds and fanatical devotion. If we die while using force under Allah's dominion, we will be welcomed in an eternal state of sensuality. Phenomenal Christianity teaches that we achieve salvation through mere belief in Christ in contradiction to the clear teaching of God's word, it often results in no lasting life change of the individual as converts are left to live Christ's teachings on their own power. But apostolic Christianity, we teach that we achieve salvation through explicitly obeying God's word, resulting in a real death of the old man and a real new birth of the spirit accompanied by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a Christian life that the Bible says we can live. And my spirit and God's spirit agrees I am his child. I am his child. I am his child. I, I leave you with one more verse of scripture in Romans chapter 8 and verses 15 and 16. Paul says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba. Or Papa, Father. When you were born again, you were born as a new I am. I said you were born as a new I am. I come to encourage you. I come to strengthen you. I've come to challenge your understanding of who you are in God's word. You are more than a spiritual high seeking Christian you are who he says you are if he said you can do it honey you can do it 
And I don't care how ridiculous it seems to the world or to science or to friends or to family. If God declares you his, you belong to him. I apologize if this wasn't deep enough. But I, I need you to know something today. I am what I am. Because he says, that's who I am. I'm not trying to be anything I'm not. I'm just trying to be everything he says I can be. Well, I think you're too spiritual. Well, I think you're too carnal. Well, I think you're too holy. Well, I think you're too rebellious. I'm just trying to be like him. I'm just trying to be what he said I can be. Why wouldn't I want to be what he said I could be? If you took me to Ruth's Chris and said, you can have anything on the menu. Baby, I'm not ordering a hot dog. God has handed y'all a Ruth's Chris menu. And too many of us are trying to order mac and cheese and hot dogs. Well, he said I'd be anything I want to be. So you want to be, you want to be, you know, spiritual hot dog? Not me, Brother Vincent. I want some filet mignon. I want it wrapped in bacon. Hallelujah. I want to be that bone-in tomahawk ribeye. I mean, if you tell me anything on the menu, don't expect me to to order an appetizer and a cup of soup, baby. I didn't eat all day for this. You know, don't take me down to Fairfield, take me down to Shea Soul and say, have anything on the menu and I'm sticking with hush puppies the whole night. Now you say, I have anything. There's going to be a lot of anything on that table. There's going to be some fried catfish, some crawfish, yeah, two-faced, some collard greens, black-eyed peas, cornbread. There's going to be some fried chicken, ribs. There's going to be uh, uh, red beans and rice. Say, you would eat all that? I'd do my dead level best. See, God didn't say you're either or. He says you're both and. You can be loved and cherished. You can be healed and free. It's not a one-pick, two-pick buffet. You're all of it. If you'll believe it, and you'll obey it, you can be anything he says you can be. How many people have I seen? How many people have I seen? My Lord, I, I have watched God work in families. I've seen God work. I've seen, I've seen God work in families where there was never a high school graduate. I'm talking about people who didn't even really get out of, out of the eighth or ninth grade. And God filled them with the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, they started having self-respect because if you respect God, you'll respect yourself. They started loving themselves. And I know people say, well, pastor, you better watch out. People are gonna be, no, no, no. You, if you hate yourself, you hate God. Loving God starts with learning to love yourself. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love your... The reason why some folks are so mean to their neighbors is because they hate themselves. Right. 
That's why we got racism in the world. They hate them. They really hate the person of another color or another race. They really hate themselves and they're just putting it on them. If you'll start loving yourself, and let me define love for is this okay? Let me let me define love. Love doesn't mean whatever I feel. Love means in accordance to obedience. If I'll love myself, then I'll love people. People that hurt you, they hurt you because they're hurting. Hurt people hurt people. Hateful people hate people. Hateful, full of hate people hate people. You want to be what God says you can be? Start believing in yourself through the power of God's word. I've watched God people, I've watched people take, God take people from families that I'm telling you, I've watched it and, and they, they grew up in the poorest of conditions you could ever imagine. Their family died. Bunch of old drunks. Died in the most filthy of homes you could ever imagine. But when they gave their life to God, Brother Chase, and they started following the principles of God's word, they started believing that I am what I am. You would never know by where they live, the cars they drive, that they were ever connected to people that live like that. You want to know why? Because the purpose of God is not to push you down. It's to bring you up. Come on up. Come on. You can come up out of that. No. No. No, I know your mother and your great-grandmother and your great-great-grandmother live with abusive spouses, but you're not going to be destined to do that. I've got more for you. Yeah, look, look. I know your, everyone in your family for six generations has went bankrupt because they have no financial restrictions or, or they just, they just, but I've got some, come on, follow me. You are what I said you are. So I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. I know generations of your family have been locked down with addictions. Once you come up under the blood of Jesus, His blood breaks the generational curse. Because I am what I am. Because he said I am what I am. Look, I know I didn't end this screaming. I don't have much of a voice left anyway. You've got to believe that God has called you and chosen you for more. If you will follow the plan of God, it sounds easy. Just obey God's word. Okay, I'll do that. And you get to walking through life and Lulu, skip to Malu, Lulu, whack. Oh, I, I can't do that. Hmm, let's see. But I want to. Oh, I know you do. And if you didn't have my spirit in you, you couldn't do this. But I believe in you.
You catch that? Not I believe in you, but I believe in you. I'll believe with you. I'll believe for you. That through my spirit, you can do this. And you conquer that little. Well, you think it was a mountain. Remember the first struggle you had living for God? I, I know some of y'all were probably born saved, but some of us had some struggles walking. You remember you climbed that mountain, that first mountain in living for God, and you got over that mountain, you thought, good Lord, I can't even breathe up here, it's so tall. And you serve God, and you go through something, and you look back and go, mountain, that was a speed bump. And you're on the next, and you're on the next mountain, and you're up here going, I need oxygen, I can't make it. And you get a few years down the road and you look back and go, that was a hill. You see, you can be anything that God tells you. Notice I didn't say you can be whatever you want to be. That is the biggest lie I was ever told in my life. Because I wanted to be Superman. I wanted to be Superman. And my brother told me I could be Superman. That's why he pushed me off the top of the house. You know what I found out, Brother J.D.? My brother shocked me, being a younger brother. He lied. I couldn't be Superman. Even though I put my underwear on the outside of my jeans, I couldn't be Superman. Tucked, tucked in mama's towel underneath my shirt, clipped it on with clothesline pins. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We had to make do with the way we play. I was Superman with a faded pink cape. Because that's the only towel mama let me play with outside. It didn't phase my masculinity one bit. In my mind, it was red and had a yellow and blue S on it. And I looked over the edge, and I'll never forget feeling that big old foot hit me in the rear. <laughs> Y'all think I'm lying. My brother's ornery, I'm telling you. I want I, I yeah, I can be whatever you want to be. I can be whatever. Look, I ain't going to be no NASA space pilot. But I can be whatever God tells me I can be. Stand with me because I am loved. I, I don't just have peace. But I am peace. I hope you catch this. I know we're not dancing, running the aisle, so I hope we don't miss it because the the emotion's not there. But I am what He said I can be. I'm persuaded. I'm loved. I'm empowered. I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I can cast out devils, speak with new tongues. I can pick up serpents, but you better believe it won't be on purpose. I can drink any deadly thing and it shall by no means harm me. I can walk in life. I can walk in freedom. I can walk in abundance. It doesn't mean that it's without trial. It doesn't mean that it's not without stress. It doesn't mean that it's not without opposition. Here's the promise I have. That I am what he said that I can be. We 
as a movement struggle with a great identity crisis. We're not accepted by every denomination. We're not accepted by, and that's a good thing. Because we stand for God's truth. But I want to tell you something. You are the beloved of God. I felt like somebody needed to hear that today. I feel like somebody needed to be strengthened in their spirit this afternoon. To walk out of here and say, bless God, baby Moses floating in a basket. I am the beloved of God. I am a child of the king. I'm an heir of eternal things. I'm not just an heir. I'm a joint heir with Christ. We hold equal partnership in the inheritance. I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Say, so you don't look like nothing special. Well, Matt, you're, you're right on. But I'm the richest man on this earth because I'm loved by God. We used to sing an old song that said, shake hands with a poor boy who owns everything. Because as long as I've got God's love, as long as his grace and his mercy is in my life, I am what I am. I feel like somebody needed this today. Matter of fact, to be quite honest, I think a whole lot of somebody's needed this today. If you'll, if you'll pardon my lack of not ending this with stomping and spitting and screaming. And you will just feel moved by the Spirit of God to just step out and step forward and say, you know what? I need a renewal today of who I am in God. I, I just needed Him to remind me. I just needed that refreshing in my soul. I, 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 just, I just needed that. That repurposing of God's direction in my life. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on down. That's it. Come on down. Amen. I am what I am. Say, Pastor, if I go up there, what am I admitting? You're admitting that you are what God says you are. You are loved. Hallelujah. You are favored by the most high God. Your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. The handwriting of ordinances against you have been blotted out by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am what God says that I am. In the name of Jesus. We don't have to work ourselves up into a frenzy. I don't have to scream at you until you feel your emotions lash. I just want you to slip your hands in the air and reach up to a God that says...